we are using vision to look at the environment around us and constantly compare what we see to what we've seen before. With that, you can constantly recalculate your position in space and provide the position in space without accumulating noise. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Robot Industry Podcast. We're glad you're here and thank you for subscribing. My guest for this episode is Amir Busani from Argo Robotics. Amir, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yes. So listen, if you wouldn't mind, maybe tell our audience a little bit about you and kind of how you got into the robotics industry. So, yes, I would say that was meant to be. From my early days as a child, I admired robotics. So, you know, some kids like animals. I like robotics and machines. So it was really meant to be. My degree was in computer engineering, and I spent many years in in different positions and management positions. And when I got the first chance to start looking at computer vision and robotics, I was immediately attracted to that. It was obvious to me that that's really what I want to do. My previous role was the manager of Intel RealSense Advanced Technology Group. So I got the opportunity to work with many leading robotic companies to assist them in building the new robot and to see how vision and and the new 3D vision technologies can really uh, elevate and assist robotics in in solving problems that they weren't able to solve before. And so what made you decide to kind of focus your energies on, on, on vision and autonomy? So that was back in, in, in 2018. And it was a point in time where, where you know everyone saw the huge progress in autonomous vehicles and how you know computer vision, cameras, and AI are now enabling things that that seems to be impossible before. But on the other hand, we saw the big challenges in autonomous vehicles: so safety and and the time it will take to get a, an autonomous vehicle uh, to the safety level that is really needed to, to deploy. While uh, in parallel, we looked at robotics and and taking a smaller machine to operate in environments that are not that uh, dangerous and and, uh, capable. On the other hand, the gap between what robotics can do and what robotics are doing today is really exciting. I mean, there's endless opportunities and and use cases for robotics, and and we're seeing only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to robotics. So it was really a revolution that I want to be part of. Oh, that's great. And can you, but maybe for the audience, because we've got lots and lots of people all around the world, uh, can you tell us what SLAM stands for, and especially visual SLAM? Yes. So the, in, in robotics, the first challenge is to know exactly where the machine is. So you want to know your exact position and to understand how you move in space. To solve that, there are many different techniques, but the common one is called simultaneous localization and mapping. The idea is that you use your movement in order to calculate the 3D positions in space around you, while in parallel calculating your your uh, relative pose, coordinated XYZ position, and also the, the angle in each one of that of your movement. Visual Slam is doing that with vision. So for a mobile platform, you can take a picture with your camera, you move a little bit with, with a robot, and then you take another picture. And then on the image frame itself, you can compare the relative changes between the two frames. And from that, you can generate some equations of what changed. With enough points, you can solve enough equations to solve simultaneously the six degree of freedom position of the camera, so the coordinate of the camera and the angle, while also detecting the 3D positions in space around you. So that's what generates the map. Together, it creates a map and the path of the robot within that map. 
And thanks for clearing that up. But And can we also talk a little bit about AI and how kind of generative AI comes into the picture? Yes. So first, maybe a few words about the challenge with, with the um, Visual Slam. So Visual Slam generates error. It, it accumulates a, a little bit of error between every frame, but that error accumulates over time. So alone, that uh, technology has its limitation when it comes to the accuracy it can achieve over time. For that reason, vision and learning the environment can assist. We are using vision to look at the environment around us. It's kind of like how humans do it. And constantly compare what we see to what we've seen before. With that, you can constantly recalculate your position in space and provide the position in space without accumulating noise. Now, that's only the, the really the, the first step when it comes to, to AI and robotics, because beyond that, you would want robotics to have high level of understanding or human level understanding of space, so they can understand the geometry of space around them. So can, they can detect different types of objects and to know how to behave correctly uh, uh, next to these different objects. Right? When you're thinking about a forklift driving autonomously in the warehouse, it can move very close to the shelves. But if there's a person in front of it, you would expect it to stop and take some safety distance. That level of behavior can only be achieved with a machine that has the AI capabilities and the understanding of how to behave correctly in space. No, that's very clever. And thank you. That's very clear. Uh, And wanted to kind of understand a little bit about how big this industry is, because you are creating hardware and software uh, and maybe firmware for the industry, right? Yes. So the robotic industry is growing very fast. So the the new areas in in robotics are growing almost 30% year over year. It's actually impressive that even the most challenging years that during COVID and even when when, uh, the global economy is, is, uh, is impacted, robotics is constantly growing. On the other hand, there are endless new opportunities in robotics. So you know, there are only few use cases that are currently really reaching their the volume that they can that they can reach. And it's clear that robotics is going to continue to grow. It is estimated to reach about $40 billion uh, uh, within the next couple of years. Uh, so huge opportunity when it comes to robotics. On the other hand, it is clear that the enabler of new types of robots and uh, the, the continuous growth in robotics will require smarter robots. We call it intelligent autonomy. You would want your machines to be intelligent so they can be autonomous even in more challenging environment. And that's really an enabler to, to the future of robotics. No, you know what? I was going to ask you that when that question was anyway, so that's perfect. And uh, in terms of dollar terms, do you have kind of some feeling for how big your addressable market is for this uh, industry? Yes, so the, the estimated part of perception within robotics is estimated that between 15 and 30% of the overall bill of material of robotics. It makes sense when you think about that, because at the end of the day, a robot is usually a mechanical design with wheels and motors, and it's really the brains and the sensing part that makes it a real robot. And it's a big part of the, of the overall uh, robotic system. Uh, we also believe that it's going to be a bigger part as we go um, uh, where the the, the eyes and the brain of the system is going to be a more fundamental and differentiating part of uh, robotics. It is currently estimated as about uh, $12 billion uh, for the perception for robotics spread across different uh, uh, industries and different use cases. Of course. Thank you for that. Um, 
Can you tell us a little bit about your team? I actually, I went to your website earlier today and I had a look and I looked at your job postings and was impressed with the size of your team. Yes. So, you know, team in Algo is focusing on providing perception and, and most of our team members are experts in the domain of computer vision, AI, sensor fusion, and embedded systems designed for robotics. Uh, we have a, a large team, uh, over 40 uh, uh, experts in, in these uh, domains, with a lot of not only the, you know, the academic know-how, but also the, the real-world uh, understanding of the applications and you know the difference between a working technology into a, a working product, and also the understanding of scaling. So what it means to take a product and scale it into the mass market with volumes and with all the applications of manufacturing, the deploying in many different use cases and many different environments. In, in many cases, that's really what makes the difference between good technology and a good product for different use cases, but especially for industrial applications where the quality is all that matters. Of course. And so did we explain this yet, what a perception engine is? I'd be happy to do that. So when we talk about perception, we're thinking about the information a mobile machine needs in order to move in space, the understanding of space that it sees. So in a way, the perception engine enables a machine to see and understand its surrounding so it can move autonomously from one point to another. The main challenges in terms of perception are first understanding the position of the robot instead in space, knowing where, where you are at any given moment. Then there's the understanding of the geometry of space. So what's the surface I'm driving? Where are the obstacles? What's the distance and height of different obstacles? And from that, the robot needs to understand what's the maneuverable area. Where can I drive? How should I move between the different objects? Some of them are static, some are moving, and how to calculate my path and to get to my destination. The higher level of perception, which we call human level perception, is to understand how to behave in this uh, environment. So to understand you know, the different environments, uh, different objects and their vector of movement, to get the level of understanding that you can uh, move in intelligently, even in challenging environments, just like humans do. The industry is so big with so many different markets. So are you kind of concentrating on one particular area or is it kind of everywhere? So you're on to, to a great point. Uh, that, that was our challenge from the beginning. I mean, it's just so tempting to get into all these different use cases and all of them are exciting. I mean, agriculture and logistics, industrial, uh, service robots, what's not. Uh, the challenge for a company and for me as the CEO is to make sure that we take the right uh, focus at every given point along the way. There isn't a week when I don't get a call from a robotic company with an amazing use case, really. Some of them are exciting, uh, but we have to make sure that we do it step by step and that we address the market correctly. We've actually started with outdoor robotics, in a way solving a broader pro uh, problem than indoor robotics, and that helped us in making a solution that is very robust. I constantly get a question from where well, house owner, so what do you do when the window is open? We can operate in direct sunlight. We know how to solve that. Today, the, the focus is, is both outdoor and also a warehouse environments, logistics, e-commerce, industrial automation, a, where you know, most of the robotic market and, and the, the, most of the deployments are today. 
I, I like your model. It enables a company to do the hardware of the robot and not spend years developing the hard challenge of navigation. And you've kind of have a cost optimized solution, a standard and a premium offering. Can you explain the differences? And maybe because people are, there's no visuals here. What does it look like? Like it's, it's a, a lens attached to a circuit board, right? Yes. So our base system is designed with just a simple camera. We designed the, the camera to system to be very simple, very easy to integrate. It's a simple, small camera that you integrate into your robot. And the rest is smart software algorithms running on affordable compute. When we looked at the robotic market, we realized that you know, the breakthrough solution for that market should provide the highest level capabilities, so high level perception, high quality. But it has to come at a, at a solution that can fit the bill of material limitations of every ro- mobile robot. So it has to fit a cost that can be you know, affordable enough to, to deploy in masses. And that's why our base solution is based on very uh, affordable components. Uh, in a way, you know, the, the lowest cost components you can think of for a robot that can fit a camera, an ARM-level compute platform. Uh, and on top of that, we can add additional sensors, uh, LiDAR, 3D cameras, GPS, and many others, so we can also support more complex environments and, and, and machines that can add some additional uh, uh, sensors and, and can bear the extra cost. You're located in Israel with an office as well in Boston. And how many people do you have in each office? And do you see the U.S. Uh, growing? Yes, yeah, certainly. So we actually started a company in Boston. Um, it, we, we see Boston as the mecca for robotics. I mean, we, with companies uh, like Kiva System, uh, iRobot, uh, uh, Boston Dynamics, and so many other amazing companies in that domain, it's really you know the, the best place to, to grow a robotic company. We're leveraging a lot of the talents uh, we have in Israel, and we now have offices also in Europe uh, addressing the, the European market. Uh, we are growing in the U.S., covering more and more companies uh, within the U.S., uh, where you know the, the innovation and the best business uh, and the, some of the most innovative companies are. And can you tell us, like, so with, with so many companies today, uh, data is a really important part of the company. Is this, do you collect this data? Uh, how do you, what do you do with data? So, yes, uh, data is crucial for every uh, application uh, um, using uh, vision and, uh, and AI. Uh, we we collect the data and we also use the data to constantly improve our system. So, you know, every new environment we see, every new challenge that we encounter enables us to uh, improve the system and to make it uh, more robust to, to changes. And our horizontal solution, the fact that we run in very different environments, allows us to cope with different types of challenges and to make the overall system much better. So we see indoor challenges and outdoor challenges, challenges with big machines like forklifts that drive quite fast and with machines operating with many people around it and the challenges of dynamic environment. All these data sets and all that data that we collect helps us improve our system so it can cope with future challenges when we get into new sites. And you must have a lot of different partners. Obviously, you've got like funding partners and you've got technology partners. Is that an important part of your startup? Certainly, we, we believe in partnership. Partners we have and the companies we work with are, I would say, it, it's it's almost like marriage because when you select your partners, right, that's that's who you are going to win or lose with. 
Uh, our partners are from different domains and different types of companies. We have industry leaders and market leaders in certain domains. And on the other hand, we like the disruptive companies with new products and innovation and the fast pace of uh, bringing new products to market. We're working with companies in Europe and the US and in Asia, also leveraging you know, the, the progress done in, in different uh, geographies. It's an important part of a growing a robotic company. And from the beginning, we, we knew that we have to look at that globally and to work with companies all over the world in order to, to be able to provide the, the solution that, uh, that can drive the, the next generation of robotics. So tell us a little bit about, about some of the, uh, and we don't really need to know the customer names, but when you get these calls, who are they? Are they just everybody, like all these robot companies? The, the, our customer profile is so varied. It could be a huge multi-billion dollar company with you know a team of 50 working on, on similar technology that realize that we have a breakthrough technology and that they want to collaborate with us. Or it could be, you know, a CEO that had the idea of building the company and now realize that if he gets the perception technology from us, he can focus on his application and get the product to market three years earlier of his plan. So very varied in, in that uh, in that aspect. Uh, and what I do see a lot in the robotics industry is that many of the leading companies, they have the passion for, the, for robotics. So in many cases, it's not only about the business. It's the passion to build new robots, to try new technologies, and to drive innovation. You must get some customers, too, that are in trouble, right? We've been working on this for you know months and months or years and years, and we haven't solved it. Can you help us? You must have, I get those calls, too, I imagine. Yeah, and, and the, the type of cases where you, know, you, you talk to the CEO, and you can see how happy he is to see that he found a partner that can help him solve that part of his problem so he can move forward. Uh, perception is, is a huge challenge. And I just don't think it makes sense that uh, most of robotic companies are, are still working on that and trying to solve that in-house. With simple sensors, that was doable. So with you know, line-following technologies or simple uh, proximity sensors, that was doable, but when thinking about perception using cameras and AI, it's a huge problem to solve. It requires a huge team and many years of development. So it just doesn't make sense for every company to try to solve it on its own again and again. I see the development process a bit like a bubble, right? The bubble kind of moves through the startup. And like you say, some bubbles are just too big. Um, what do you see as the future of uh, perception and autonomy? So I think, you know what, it's it sometimes, you know, the, the kids that see it the best. But when you think about robotics, if, if you ask a kid well, what he thinks about robotics, what a robot should do, that's what should happen, right? They would imagine a smart robot that can do all these things and that can take smart decisions. But in reality today, when you look at most of the robots, if you look at the industrial robots, at best, it can follow a line in the warehouse from one point to another, carrying a box, but not much more than that. So there's so much more that can be done. I think the next big revolution, and it will be driven by, by generative AI and, and the, new, the new generation of AI, will be to switch from current systems that, though they are autonomous, their programming process is all manual. It's all coded manually to do one very specific task. You know, every point in the pass is, is a manually a, a programmed into smart machines that can take smart decisions. You would want to be able to tell your robot, 
Okay, robot, here's my warehouse. Run around a little bit, learn it, and, and come back to me when you know how the warehouse looks, and then I'll tell you where to go. Right? It, it, you know, two years ago, it sounds like science fiction. But today, with generative AI, you see it coming, and it will come in the next couple of years. No, it's going to be an exciting time. Amir, uh, have we forgot to talk about anything today in the, uh, in the podcast? Oh, there are so many topics to, to discuss uh, when it comes to robotics. Uh, I, I think the most exciting thing is you know, how the, the market is going to grow and to be you know, at the point of time that you know that in two years, three years, there will be so many new applications and so many new products. It's just exciting. And I imagine you have all these startups coming and you, and you get to think with them and ideate with them. And it is a very exciting part that you're in. When Amir, when you're not in knee-deep in software and hardware and growing your team, what do you like to do for fun? So though we do robotics, the thing I like to do the most is to walk by my own. <laughs> so hiking uh, is, is something I like to do, which is funny because for many of our customers, we assist their uh, employees to walk less where robots can carry goods instead of that. <laughs> but my actually hobby would be to, to go hiking uh, and traveling. Uh, if there's a mountain around, that's even better. That's great. We actually just did our, our, in this summer, we were just in Newfoundland, Canada, and did a lot of hiking. So if you ever get a chance to go up to Grossmorn Park in Newfoundland, it's amazing. And how can people find out more about Argo Robotics? So, of course, uh, you're all welcome to, to enter our website uh, and to view it. You're welcome to, um, to, follow us, uh, to follow us on LinkedIn and get the latest uh, updates, uh, our podcast and, uh, and uh, the conferences that we, that we join. We're happy to talk to, to anyone in the robotics space, anyone that is interested. is very welcome to, to contact us and, and be part of this revolution. Amir, thanks for joining me today. Thanks a lot. It was fun. Our sponsor for this episode is Earhart Automation Systems. Earhart builds and commissions turnkey solutions for their worldwide clients. With over 80 years of precision manufacturing, they understand the complex world of robotics, automated manufacturing, and project management, delivering world-class custom automation on time and on budget. Contact one of their sales engineers to see what Earhart can build for you. And their info at earhartautomation.com. Earhart is spelled E-H-R-H-A-R-D-T. And I'd like to acknowledge A3, the Association for Advancing Automation. They are the leading automation trade association for robotics, vision and imaging, motion control and motors, and the industrial artificial intelligence technologies. Visit automate.com to learn more. And if you'd like to get in touch with us at the Robot Industry Podcast, you can find me, Jim Beretta, on LinkedIn. Today's podcast was produced by Customer Attraction, Industrial Marketing, and I'd like to recognize my nephew, Chris Gray, for the music. Jeffrey Bremner for audio production, my business partner, Janet, and our sponsors, Earhart Automation Systems.